It's the show that makes us talk. You know, as a chef, I always wondered where hamburgers go dancing. <laughs> where do they go? They go to the meatball. Uh- <laughs> what about our life? With Chris and Will. fun to hear turkey in the straw yes especially at the start of the thanksgiving slash holiday season of course november already can you believe it wow just crazy crazy (laughs) november thanksgiving all that for 2019 just goes by too too fast yeah it's another great episode of what about our life with chris and will how are you i hope you had a great grand Halloween, we absolutely did nothing. <laughs> we stayed home. I think we went to bed early because we were tired. Yeah. Uh, we tried watching movies. It didn't work out. So mm-hmm. we just like, screw this. We're going to bed. So I hope your Halloween was a little bit better than ours. Ours wasn't bad. We needed to catch up on some sleep, relieve some stress. And that's what exactly what we did. Yes. Well, this week on our show, we are celebrating the classic moments in music and the beginning of holiday Traditions. Yay! That's right. And we got a wonderful guest with us. A really great guest. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. So when we think about best holiday moments, what do you think? I think about decorating. Like my room and putting up um, just different knickknacks and stuff. Now we talked about uh, Halloween decorations that we have. Dude, we have boxes and boxes and boxes boxes of christmas decorations yes that uh sometimes we use and sometimes we don't especially if we are in an apartment whatever time period that may be and uh we can't put up outdoor look outdoor decorations we put them on the balcony we put them on the balcony and we, <laughs> we we just fill it up yeah it's, it's really quite crazy but yeah most of our uh boxes are christmas decorations um it's not sad it's good some of those decorations are older 
than I am and as old as I am, believe it or not. And that's old. That is definitely old. But yeah, (laughs) decorating is a good one. Um, I'm not a big fan of the whole shopping craze. But we did go shopping. We we attempted it. No, we did on Thanksgiving once when they started doing the Thanksgiving holiday Black Friday sales. That's right. I was thinking of another one. Okay, yes, yes. We went to Macy's and I went crazy because they had... um, Kenneth Cole boots on sale for 20 bucks. Uh-huh. And I'm like, damn. All right. So I had, I went against what I said I was not going to do was buy black Friday stuff. And I ended up doing it anyway, but, but it was technically great it, it was on a Thursday. So then again, yeah, I know, but still, you know, but we did. So that's a good thing. Now spending time with Thanksgiving family. Now that's always been a, a uh, mm. sketchy one, to yeah. An extent. But if you look at your outside family, like uh, friends and stuff like that, that you call family, we did that last year, yes, and we've done that a couple of and times. I, I'm and I'm so glad, nice. and yes, definitely, yes. So it's it's so, so those are good traditions, and then of course, um, putting up the Thanksgiving, the Christmas decorations, yeah, because we really don't have Thanksgiving decorations. Well, my tradition was that you put it up the day after Thanksgiving. But because the Christmas uh, season has come sooner and sooner, well, at least in Florida it has. Yes. Um, so. Well, we don't put it up um, the first week of November like Orlando does. We actually put it up, sometimes we'll put it up in the middle of November or mm-hmm. we'll put it up Thanksgiving week. But it's usually always up by Thanksgiving or on Thanksgiving. And sometimes we have this thing where we would put the lights outside up and we actually would not turn them on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so people would always be wondering when they're going to turn on. It's like, no, we don't turn them on until Thanksgiving. And then we'll leave them up to a few days after new year's. Yeah. Where some people take all their stuff down after Christmas. It's like, no, the season still goes through new year's in my opinion. Yes, I agree. Um, so what about, uh, remember when we would go to Panama city? Because my sister lives in Panama City yeah. and it would be nice and cold. Yeah. Oh, you can't go on the beach because she lives on the beach because it's cold. But um, what about we've, we've gone a couple of times to the Florida beaches during Thanksgiving. There's absolutely nobody there. That's right. It's the yeah. best thing. And, you know, and it's not necessarily cold in it's some of the nice areas. Stroll. It's a nice little stroll. And it's still warm, but you just can't get in the water because the water's freezing cold. But you can still get a nice tan. I mean, you really can. Um <laughs> What about uh, Disney, of course? Yeah. All the traditional stuff at Disney. Now, Disney does do um, Thanksgiving meals on Thanksgiving Day. We've never gone to them because we st- try to stay away from the parks during that time period because they're so busy. Yeah, yeah. But um, we do like seeing the Disney decorations. That's always a plus. Mm-hmm. Um, playing games. Yeah, board games. Board games is always fun. Playing yes. cards when you have a group of people. Yes. That's always a good one. Watching movies, of course. Mm-hmm. Every year, the movie watching for Christmas gets earlier and earlier every year. You kind of miss it. Um, I'm not, I have not gotten into the Hallmark craze yet of Christmas movies. I haven't had the patience to watch it. <laughs> um, maybe. Not sure yet. But... Uh, who knows? What else? Uh, what about that time? It wasn't during Thanksgiving or Christmas, but it was close to it when we drove to Flagstaff 
and it snowed and we yeah. didn't have any winter clothes. And we, and we walked into the, what was it? The, the lobby. And they're all staring at us at the uh, check-in. Yeah. Uh, they're like, counter. I didn't have any cold clothes. It's like, no, we're Floridians. We don't get this cold. Yeah. Um, especially Southern Floridian. You really don't get that And we cold. took a picture of us in shorts. We did. With in our, the snow. In the snow. In the yes. Snow. That was also the time that we drove to the Grand Canyon because the temperature in Flagstaff was much different than it was at the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it was uh, quite interesting at that. What about, um, we talked about a little bit of the warm tropic weather. Yeah. And the cool weather. Remember that time when it was extremely cold in Florida? I think it was yes. for New Year's Eve. It we was. And it got park. down to like the mid or it like, was like low the 20s, 20s. And it was so windy. Yeah. It was freezing. And we were at Islands of Adventure. We and were. we were walking along that lagoon that's in the middle. Yeah. And you could feel the wind going because it was, you know, along the water. And I think that was like we layered up clothes specifically for that because it was cold. I mean, for central Florida, that's cold. It was really, really cold, but uh, that's always part of it. That was always fun to do. So interesting in fat. Yeah. Um, What else? Well, I know from my childhood, um, I used to uh, go behind the sofa with my sister and we used to do a puppet show. And we would take all the plush dolls and stuff like that and just have fun with it. And um, that was a really happy memory for me. I did a lot of things as, as a kid. I used to do that when I babysat. Believe it or not, Chris babysat. That's right, I did. <laughs> um, for a few years, I did. And we would always do puppet shows. It was actually quite cute. Yeah. Um, okay. Another memory. And that's for uh, uh, us. Uh, we would have the Christmas tree on. We would put on the music choice, uh, holiday music on the TV, and we would pull the mattress of the bed right next to the Christmas yeah, and tree. And we'd sleep there for one night because we would have a tradition to where the Christmas tree, the Christmas lights would stay on on Christmas Eve when we turned them on, and we would leave them on all night until Christmas morning. And yeah. we'd turn them off for a little bit. And then during the day, if we had people that came over, uh, we would um, turn the Christmas lights off on of course and that is another thing when we would have we always had christmas parties and we had quite a few people that would come Boy, over my, we would have my, my. thanksgiving <laughs> dinner for people i mean we would do quite a quite a bit i actually quite like that and he would always go crazy because i'm cooking all this food but we would never have any of it left yeah and he what i called cooking for the masses yeah we would have none of it left so it was always a good thing plus uh, my infamous chocolate chili that i cooked um, which will be in a recipe book that I am releasing in 2020. Mm. So that will be interesting. But yeah, everybody loves all that that kind of fun stuff. But the holiday seasons, it's always fun. And of course, it's the beginning of the holiday season. Some people are already putting up Christmas stuff and getting into it. We're already starting to listen to Christmas music, yes. believe it or not. Yes. So that's the best part about the holiday mm. season. Mm-hmm. Listening, a beautiful sight. We're happy tonight, walking in a winter wonderland. Gone away is the bluebird here to stay. Is the new bird? He sings a love song as we 
go along, walking in a winter wonderland. In the meadow we can build a snowman, then pretend that he is Parson Brown. He'll say, are you married? We'll say, no man. But you can do the job when you're in town. A circus clown. We'll have lots of fun with Mr. Snowman until the other kiddies knock him down, down, down. When it snows, ain't it really? Though your nose gets a chilly, we'll frolic and play the Eskimo way, walking in a winter wonderland. What a way to get you started in the holiday season. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're already starting the Christmas music. I told you. Yes. That was the Oak Ridge Boys. And the reason we played the Oak Ridge Boys is because one of the guys is going to be with us today. We'll tell you about that in a little bit. But I know I grew up with the Oak Ridge Boys. I don't know about you, but I certainly did. There is one song I can remember from them. And it was? Bobby Sue. Of course. Bobby Sue and, of course, Elvira was um, one of the hits, the many hits that they actually had. And Mm. we've got an interesting story about those songs. You'll have to keep listening because we we really, really do. But anyway, the Oak Ridge Boys actually won five Grammy Awards. Wow. Yes. They've won uh, nine GMA Dove Awards, five CMA Awards, two ACM Awards. They're in the Gospel Hall of Fame. And they're in the, also in the Country Music Hall of Fame, believe it or not. And recently... They sang at the late George H.W. Bush's funeral, the 41st president of the United States. They sang at his uh, funeral. He was in, They were asked to go to that. That was a final request, by the way, before uh, President Bush died, and they made it happen, oh. believe it or not. Um, they are doing a 2019 down-home Christmas tour. Interesting. That's right. They're going to play some of their favorite tunes, plus some of their new music that they have out on their recently released Christmas album, plus some of their traditional Christmas sounds. And yes, Elvira will be played during the concert. (laughs) The tour starts off on November 30th in Branson, Missouri. 31 concerts in all. Wow. Isn't that exciting? 28 cities in 14 
States. How about that? But you know, the most iconic voice out of the Oak Ridge Boys, of course, is Richard Sturman. And he is with us today. Yeah. We're going to go through his amazing history. This man was a backup singer for Elvis Presley. Really? Yes. He's had a lot of great relationships with Johnny Cash. Uh, The list of the numerous icons. I mean, so many more. Conway Twitty, of course. And he's... Best known for his iconic voice in the song Elvira, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna mess it up because I'm gonna let you hear it for you personally when he gets on the line. But um, we're excited; it's really exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got that bass voice. Yes. He's got that deep ba- bass voice. He's very iconic. It stands out. It does. It stands out, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about and who I'm talking about when he gets on the phone. So we're gonna go ahead and give Richard a call. So sit back, relax. Richard Sturman of the Oak Ridge Boys is coming up. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. My brother now has been a shelter for me. to have with us today five-time Grammy Award-winning artist known for his work with the Oak Ridge Boys, Richard Sturbin. Hi, Richard. How are you? Well, hi there. Well, it's certainly a pleasure to talk to you and to talk to all your fine listeners out there. Oh, thank you so much. We're really happy that you're on the show today. Yes, well, it's my our- pleasure, certainly. We have spoken to several people and told them that we were interviewing you, and a lot of them said, oh, can't wait, can't wait. We remember, we we'll remember, of course. Mm-hmm. And there hasn't yeah. been one person that we've spoken to that actually has not been to an Oak Ridge Boys concert. So you guys are very popular. 
Well, you know, we've been around for a few years, and there's not too many places. And I, I know I'm using a double negative here. There's not too many places that we have not been. If you know, but I think you don't understand what I'm saying. Right. <laughs> of, of course. course. <laughs> of course. So let's start off a little bit. Tell me, who is Richard? How would you define yourself? Well, I'm the uh, I'm the bass singer of the Oak Ridge Boys. I'm the foundation. You know the uh, uh-huh. I'm the guy that uh, that provides the bottom end of the Oak Ridge Boys. It's you know it's it's it, it to a certain degree it's kind of being a role player, uh, but I but I'm very comfortable with that. You know I I uh, provide that solid foundation you know for the Oak Ridge Boys and it's 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 part of you know the the sound that is the Oak Ridge Boys that solid four part harmony. And and it wouldn't be the same without the bottom end. So so right. I, I think I'm I'm the guy that does that. You're the one who keeps it all together, pretty much. Well, I don't know if I keep it all together, but I do, <laughs> I, but I I do provide you know a foundation. <laughs> of course, it's got to start somewhere. Exactly. Yes. Now, did you always know that you would have or you had a signature voice? Well, you know, uh, you know I. It, before we came on there, you were you were talking about my book, you know, and in my book I mentioned the fact that uh, you know, the the first singing that I ever did, believe it or not, was as a boy soprano. I know that's hard to believe. Wow. <laughs> wow. But, but I but but I was in church, you know, I was in Sunday school and, and I do remember that experience. You know, I, I you know, that was so long ago I don't remember the song I sang, but I still uh-huh. can picture that. I can picture myself in front of the congregation there in church and and you know, I, I was just a boy of six years old and I actually uh, you know, had a high voice until I got into junior high school. And in, in seventh grade, in the Glee Club, I was actually still singing tenor. And and uh, over the summer, between uh, set, my seventh grade year and my eighth grade year, my voice made a drastic change. And boy, wow. did it! Boy, did it change! <laughs> and I went, I went back, in the in the fall of the year, uh, for, I went back, you know, for my for my eighth grade year in the fall and the choir teacher could not believe the difference you know and she ended up putting me in the second bass section and obviously i've been there ever since (laughs) wow well that's good that's good did you did you ever uh want to get into music obviously did you were doing the stuff in your grade school and uh you know singing at at church and stuff but did you ever think or imagine doing it professionally well, you know, I kind of did. You know, when I was a young boy, and I still am a huge baseball fan today. When I was younger, I wanted to be a ball player. But, you know, right. I was not I was not too old in, in my life when I realized that I did not possess the talents or the abilities to be a ball player. <laughs> so I decided, yeah. you know, I could sing. So I decided I, I wanted to, you know, you know, uh, pursue a music career. You know, I mentioned just a minute or so ago that, you know, I was, I, as a six-year-old boy in church, you know, I, I sang. And I, I really felt, imp- even though I was very young, I felt impressed that day that that was my calling in life, that I was meant right. To sing in front of people, I, and, and so as as I got older, I just you know followed my dream, you know, and and I I, I refused to give up, and and good thing happened, you know, happened to me, and and <laughs> here I am, I find myself today, you know, in, in the Oak Ridge Boys. It's really amazing that you talk about that and talking about your dream because from the success of the group, you kept going and going and going, and that's a really great uh, example to show that. Whatever your dream is in life, 
keep going at it. Well, there's no doubt about it. You know, quite often, you know, now that we're older, especially a lot of young people, you know, come up to us and ask us for advice. You know, and I think, I think first of all, you have to decide what it is that you're meant to do, what your calling is in life. Once you make that decision, then you have to stay determined. You have to be determined that nothing is going to deter you from reaching your goal. And, 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 you know, you have to work hard. You have to constantly work on your craft, become as good as you can possibly become, and just never give up. Right. Wow. So would you say that the church inspired you to go into music or want to sing? Well, you know, I, you know, I think I was certainly part of it, you know, uh, and then, you know, as I got older and went to school and I, I, I started realizing, you know, I do have some ability here to sing. So I, I felt like it was just the right thing for me to do to, you know, pursue, pursue my talent, you know, and that's what I did. Right, right. Now let me ask you this one, um, you know, cause back then, even during Elvis's time period, when music, when rock music was coming about, it wasn't really perceived that well. And so do you kind of find that in growing up, because your family was very religious and uh, you grew up in a religious background singing in church and so forth, do you find it, it was hard to grow up in that type of um, environment and want to pursue the music that was kind of indifferent to some of that culture? Oh, you know, I don't think so. I, th- I think, if anything, it was a plus for me. You know, I think, uh, you know, uh, I, I think, I, you know, my parents raised me the right way. Uh, you know, I was taught right from wrong. Uh-huh. All four, all four Oak Ridge boys can tell you that. You know, we were all raised in Christian homes. Our parents taught us to be honest, always do the right thing. You know, and 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 they taught us right from wrong. And I think, if anything, that has helped us as we, you know, we went about and built our career. As the four of us got together and we built our business as an Oak Ridge boy, as Oak Ridge boys, we tried to be very honest and very ethical in our business dealings. And I think that all came back, you know, goes back to the background we all had uh-huh. as we grew up as kids, you know. Right, right. So tell me a little bit about, uh, let's go into Elvis Presley. Of course, that is the biggest okay. topic with yes. you. Uh, so tell me how that came about. Well, you know, for, for about two years prior to joining the Oak Ridge Boys, I sang in a group called J.D. Sumner and the Stamps Quartet. And, you know, it, it was kind of a matter of being in the right place at the right time. Uh, Many, you know, years ago, I kind of helped organize my own group, you know. In fact, Joe Bonzo, who's now also with the Oak Ridge Boys, he was a part of that group. Uh One day, one day, J.D. Sumner, not himself personally, but his son-in-law called me up and said he wanted to get off of the road. Uh, he was the, you know, he, he's actually in the Guinness Book of World's, you know, of uh, World's Records as the world's lowest bass singer, you know. Wow. <laughs> and he was someone that I always looked up to. But anyway, he wanted to get off of the road and hire a younger bass singer to take his place. It involved me having to move to Nashville, which I did. And I was there for about six months. When we got the gig of, of working with Elvis, J.D. Sumner and Elvis were good friends. They were both from Memphis, and, uh, and and Elvis needed a new backup group, and he called J.D., and I happened to be in the right place at the right time. So I was able to sing for about a year and a half of my life. I was able to sing with the king of rock and roll. You know, back wow. then, Elvis, you know, Elvis was the biggest star in the world. There's no doubt about it. His tour was the biggest tour in the music business. And, you know, to be a part of it 
was very, very exciting. You know, I, I have some very fond memories of the times I spent with Elvis. And, you know, I actually got to know him just a little bit. And it was a very special time in my life. I imagine. I imagine. So uh, what was your actual thought the first day that you met him? Well, you know, in fact, I talk about that in my book. You know, if, you, if, if you're an Elvis fan, there's some great Elvis stories in my book. Yes, it's called, I saw that. From, yeah. It's, it's called From Elvis to Elvira. You know, and I will never, ever forget the first time I ever met Elvis. You know, when, when I was with J.D. and the Stamps, we found out that uh, we were going to be working with Elvis. It involved us having to go and rehearse. And, and we had to go to the, 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 the to Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'll never forget that. And I, we had to go to a, a rehearsal there in the ballroom of the hotel. And uh, we reported at the uh, you know appointed time for the rehearsal. Uh, Elvis's TCB band was there. The Sweet Inspirations, his backup group, you know they were there. Uh, Kathy Westmoreland, the soprano singer, that was they were all there. You know, and, and, and we, we kind of started talking to them and hanging out with them, but there was no Elvis. Elvis was not there. <laughs> and they said, well, they, they all started wondering, you know, they, you know, he has a tendency to be late, but he's not usually this late. <laughs> wow. But I found out later on that Elvis enjoyed being fashionably late. He really did. But I, after a while, there was some commotion outside the door coming down the hallway. The door opened. In walked Elvis. And I'll never forget the first time I saw Elvis. You know, up to that point in my life, I was kind of a casual Elvis fan. I liked his music. I really did. Mm -hmm. But 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 when I first saw him in person, you know, you could it, it was like something special. You could almost feel him walk into the room. And I realized then, now I know why he is the biggest star in the world. He just had something that no one else, you know, I, 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 I ever met before had, you know, and, and I remember he came over and he, he, he all the Stamps Quartet, he, he called us all by our first names, he welcomed us into his organization, and it was, it was a very, very special time. So, you know, so instead, so I went from being a casual Elvis fan to being a real, very big fan of Elvis. Oh, wow. And friends from there on, I'm sure. Well, there's, yeah, there's no bad, you know, certainly up, up until he passed away, sir. Yeah, mm -hmm. so speaking of that, what was what was he like in his lasting days before he died? Well, you know, I, I, I sang with Elvis for about a year and a half. You know, I was with J.D. Summer in the Stamps Quartet for two years, and about a year and a half of that time. So, so I was not there very long, uh, just but long enough to really – uh, he experienced what it was like to, you know, to, to know Elvis and be around him. But when I was there, he was still pretty much on top of things. You know, he had not gained weight. He was really, he was still very thin and trim and, and really on top of things. So I did not see any of the evidence of things that happened later on before he passed away. So I, I was not really there for, for, for any of that. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Now, can you tell me, um, obviously, you, how was his styles performing compared to actually recording? That's an interesting question. And, you know, I, I do remember, you know, I, I, I was actually in one recording session with Elvis. Uh, uh, it, was, it was an album called Separate Ways. And, and there, the, probably the biggest record, or biggest song on that record was a song called Burning Love. Uh, 
a hunk uh-huh. of burning love. And yep. I am singing I am singing on that record. But you know, I'll never forget you know the recording session. You know, Elvis recorded just like he performed on stage. You know, he he held a handheld microphone, he walked around just like he was walking around on stage. In a lot of ways he was an engineer's nightmare. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but he was Elvis and no one could tell him. So he did, he was going to do things the way he did them. And you know, I think when you now now when you listen to, to Elvis's records many, many years later, you know, uh back then there was not the technology that there is today. Oh and, yeah, you know, definitely. And and most of the time Elvis never you know, he he would never sing a song over and over and over again. He usually sang it one time, maybe twice, and you had to get it. You know, and 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 there was no pro tool where you could tune the voice or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And you, when and when you listen to his records and how good they are, you really realized how good he really was. He was a very very special talent, to say the least. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Um, I did want to find out though. Did you have a particular song that is your favorite, or a particular style when he went through different phases of his career? Well, you know, even though Elvis was uh, the king of rock and roll, and he certainly was, uh, you know, I really believe down deep in his heart, his favorite music was gospel music. He mm-hmm. loved gospel songs. And when we were on tour with Elvis, most days he would want to try to find a piano, and then he would expect this, you know, the stamp score to, he would expect us all to get around the piano with him, and we would sing gospel quartet songs and he especially loved the black spirituals and we, we, we some of my fondest memories you know of, of being around elvis involved singing gospel songs and involved gospel music you know and and i think uh when i think about all the live performances of elvis's that i was a part of you know i think his rendition of how great thou art right in the middle of his show you know was was so special it was unbelievable you could tell when he sang that song he was singing it not because he had to sing it. He was singing it because he wanted to sing it. And he yes. really believed, you know, he really believed in what he was doing. And you could tell that, you know, and it was a very special moment. Something that you could feel just in no, the No, no, no question, no question about it. Wow. So do you uh, still have any association with uh, the family at all? Not really. You know, uh, one, <laughs> you know, that happened so long ago that, that it's getting to the point where, you know, a lot of the people that worked with Elvis back in those days have passed on as well. Right. And, and I'm one of I'm one of the few people fortunately that is still alive. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope that hope that's the case for some time to come. Oh, you'll be kicking for a long oh, yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> so what could you tell cuz I read in the book I, I want to say that you had said that he was a really good jokester. Uh what was the best joke you think he did? Well, he loved to play practical jokes. There's no doubt about it. And uh, (laughs) probably the best practical joke that I was ever a part of was was played on me and the Stamps Quartet by Elvis. We were in Las Vegas. And back back in those days, Elvis always did two shows. He did a show at like at 8 o'clock, a dinner show, and then he had a midnight show. And I remember one, 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 one night after the first show, we were in our dressing room, and Elvis came walking into our dressing room, which is something that he never, ever did before that. 
And he said, fellas, we, we got a serious situation here. He said, there, there's a guy, we, we, we've gotten some notices from this guy that claims he's coming here to get me. He said, it's either some irate husband or, or a jealous, you know, boyfriend or something, you know, cause <laughs> there's no wow. it. women, women love Elvis. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and so he said, what I want you guys to do, he said, I want you here in a few minutes to come up to my suite. And he said, uh, my, my bodyguards and the hotel security guards are going to all be up there and they're going to give you guys some instructions as to what we would like you to do during this second show because he claims he's going to come and get me during the second show. So I remember we all said, wow, this, this seems like pretty serious stuff. So I remember we went up to Elvis's suite. We walked through the front door of the suite. And Elvis was kind of standing there, just kind of plunking on the piano. And he said, come on over, fellas, I need to talk to you guys. He said, and he had his two main bodyguards, Sonny, Sonny and Red, they, they, they both have passed on. They were there. He said, Sonny and Red are going to talk to you and tell you what they want you to do. So they started to talk to us. And they said that Sonny said that he's going to be on one side of the stage, uh, during the show. Uh, Red said he's going to be on the other side. He said, we want you guys to look out in the audience. If you see anybody at all that looks suspicious, try to get our attention and let us know. About that time, the front door of the suite comes open. Some guy comes running through the door and says, Presley, I'm going to get you. And he starts shooting. He, (laughs) He has a gun. He starts firing. All the security guards were all standing around. They all pulled their guns out of their holsters. They started firing back. And it, it, it was gunfire going you know, throughout the suite. Obviously, they were blanks, of course. But, yeah, at the time, yeah. but at the time, you know, we did not realize that. It seemed so real, it was unbelievable. I remember I dove under a table to try to protect myself. <laughs> I, thought, I thought for sure I was going to die. And I, I remember J.D. Sunder himself, he jumped on top of Elvis to try to protect Elvis. And when he did that, I think that's when we all realized it was a joke because Elvis was laughing so hard, he could not stand it. <laughs> wow. But, wow. But, you know, I, and I do remember being on stage for the second show. I was still so shook up. That joke was done so well, I'll never forget it. <laughs> wow. That is crazy. That's funny, though, but it's crazy. Mm-hmm. I remember in the book you also clarified, which I, growing up, that was the infamous thing, Elvis has left the building, and you outline in the book that every time they say that, it's the crew that always leaves, and the fans are still sitting there not believing that he's left, actually left the building. So I found that to be very interesting in the book. Well, you know, I think one of the reasons they did that is because, uh, you know, people would never leave, you know, and, and they would – hope beyond hope that Elvis was coming back, but she was not, you know, because <laughs> right. usually Elvis, Elvis went right from the stage into his limousine and back to the hotel. That's the way he normally did things. So he he was gone. That when, when they said Elvis has left the building, they were telling you the truth. Wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. I read that. That's actually interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you also, you also had some time with Johnny Cash as well, I read in the book. Well, there's no doubt about it. You know, I mentioned that, you know, when when Elvis walked into the room the first time I met him, you know, he had something, he had some charisma, some magnetism that, uh, I, I had never seen in another person. The only other person I've ever met in my life that I can compare that to would be 
Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash was a very special person, to say the least. He was that same kind of a person. When he walked into a room, he would command the room. You could tell he 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 was there's just something very special about him. And right. I'll, I'll never I'll never forget the first time we ever and and I was with the Oak Ridge Boys when this happened. Well, we we worked with Johnny Cash for the very first time, and we were standing on the side of the stage, you know, because we had to sing some harmony parts on one of his songs later on in the show. So we were standing there waiting, and I remember he uh, the stage went black. Johnny Cash, he was as he was known as the Man in Black. He was dressed in black. He walked out on the stage. The stage was totally dark. And he got up to the microphone, and that big booming voice of his, he said, "Hi, I'm Johnny Cash." Mm-hmm. The, the, yeah. lights, the lights came on, and the, the, the Tennessee Three, his band that was with him for years, they started that Johnny Cash music, and it was a, it was a moment that I ne- would never forget. And it was it was a very similar experience. You know, Johnny Cash had a had something about him. He had a magnetism that. That, you know, that I'll never forget, you know, because he was right. a special person. And Johnny Cash especially has a very special place in my heart and all the Oak Ridge Boys' hearts because I don't think we would be here today if it was not for Johnny Cash. Johnny wow. Cash, he was a very special person. He took all the Oak Ridge Boys. He took us under his wing back when we were struggling. You know, he, he actually put us on his shows. He actually paid us more money than we were worth, you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, every time we worked with him, uh, you know, we, we, we signed the contract, you had a, an agreed amount. He would always give us more than the agreed amount. He always gave us a tip, if you would, because that's right. the kind of person he was. But, you know, more than his financial help or his words of encouragement, uh, there was, there was a time that I will never forget, and this is a great story. We were playing in Las Vegas with Johnny Cash at the Las Vegas Hilton. And uh, he get, he called us on one afternoon. And, you know, uh, he said, fellas, I can tell you guys are discouraged. And we were. You know, after that after that date with Johnny Cash, we had no other dates booked. We did not know how we were going to stay together. We, we were very much a struggling band, a struggling act at the time. He said, fellas, come to my room. I want to talk to you guys. So we all went up to Johnny Cash's room, and our heads were kind of hanging, to be honest with you. And he said, he said fellas, there's something very special about you guys. He said, but I can tell you're, you're, you're discouraged. Uh, he said, but what I want you to do, he said, I want you to find a way to stay together. He said, there's, there's something very special about you guys. I know it. You guys know it. No one else knows it. And if you give up now, no one's ever going to know it. He says, wow. you've, got to find, you've got to find a way to stay together. He said, I promise you, I give you my word, if you will stay together, he said, I'll try to help you as much as I can, but it's up to you guys. You've got to, you've got to stay together and make it happen. He said, if you do that, he says, I promise you, good things are about to happen to you guys. You guys are going to make it. you just got to stay together. And I remember walking out of that meeting with Johnny Cash that day. Instead of our heads hanging, we were all, our heads were up high, and we all looked at each other, and we said, wow, Johnny Cash thinks we're going to make it. We are going to make it. And sure enough, it seemed like, you know, just a few years later, you know, uh, you know, good, good things did start happening to us. We met our manager, Jim Halsey. 
who is still our manager today. He signed us to our first record contract. We started having hit records. And I remember a few years later, we won our first Country Music Association Award for Vocal Group of the Year. Johnny Cash was hosting the show. Wow. And, and, and when, when, when they announced our name as, as winners of Vocal Group of the Year, we ran up onto the stage, and instead of going to the podium on the left-hand side of the stage to accept our award, we mm-hmm. went to the podium on the right-hand side of the stage where Johnny Cash was standing because he was hosting the show. We ran, all of us ran up to him, and we all hugged his neck. And I'll never forget, he said, see, fellas, I told you so. That's, <laughs> that's amazing, though. And I say that because it goes back to uh, earlier about what's your dream and keeping determined and keep going and keep going. And that shows he has, he saw something in all of you. And that's did, worth, yeah. and that's value. And, 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 and when you do it yourself, of- yeah. Definitely. There's a lot going. Of, there's a, and that's the kind of person Johnny Cash was. You know, there are a lot of other people in our business that he helped as well that would be, could tell you a very similar story. I know Larry Gatlin and the Gatlin brothers, they would tell you a very similar story. You know, Marty Stewart, people like that. Johnny Cash helped along the way, you know, and he, he was that kind of a person. He was a very special person. Wow. Yeah, he seemed it. Growing up and seeing a lot of his work and you know, visiting a lot of things that he did, he he definitely seemed it. So, also in your book, you talked about now. Uh, forgive me if I mistake in this, but you had said that um, was Conway twenty and you good tennis uh, tennis players or tennis uh, companions? No. Uh, Con- Conway twenty and myself, we, you know, he was my neighbor for a long time, and we were actually partners together. In, 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 in the Nashville Sounds, uh, you know, our, our minor league baseball team here in uh-huh. Nashville, we, we're both huge baseball fans okay. and, and we own, for several years, we own part of that team together, you know, so, it, so, so we were actually business partners there for a while up until his, his untimely death, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember that. I do remember that. So let's go into the Oak Ridge Boys now. So, tell me how that came about. You were touring with Elvis and then now you're with the Oak Ridge Boys. This is a great story as well, and I'll try to, you know, and it could get a little long, so I try to make it short. That's okay. <laughs> I, we I, like I, we I, like stories. <laughs> I was with, I was singing with Elvis, apparently on top of the world. You know, like I say, Elvis Elvis's tour was the biggest tour in the music business back then. One day, I got a phone call from William Lee Golden of the Oak Ridge Boys. Uh-huh. William William Golden is the is the guy in our group with the long beard. You know, uh-huh. back. Back then, however, he did not have that long beard. He he was Mister GQ back then. <laughs> wow! But he, he but he called he called me up. And he said the bass singer in the Oak Ridge Boys was was leaving the group, and the Oak Ridge Boys wanted to know if uh, if I I'd be interested in taking the job, you know. And you know, here I was singing with Ellis, and I but I had to make a decision. What do I do? And you know, at the same time. I was a big fan of the Oak Ridge Boys. I really enjoyed what they were doing at that time. I loved the, the records they were making, the music they were making, and I and I wanted to be a part of that that group. And I because I felt the group had a great deal of potential, so I right. made the decision back then. And this is back in 1972, believe it or not. I made the decision to leave Elvis and to join the Oak Ridge Boys. 
A lot of people back then questioned that. How could you do that? How could you leave Elvis and join the Oak Ridge Boys? But, you know, I really believed I was doing the right thing. You know, uh, uh, yeah. I, I believe I, you know, I in my heart it was the right thing for me to do. And, and you know, I think history has proven, time has proven, that back then in 1972, I made a pretty good decision. Because, yes. you know, mm-hmm. over the last close to 50 years now, so many great things have not only happened to me personally, but all four of the Oak Ridge boys. We right. have had such a great career. You know, uh, we, we've been truly blessed. We really have. And, you know, I think it all kind of culminated, you know, about uh, four years ago when we were inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame. Oh, man. You know, yes. you know, and, I, you know, I never dreamed back when I was a young man singing with Elvis that someday – I would be in the same Hall of Fame with Elvis. But here I am today. You know, all the Oak Ridge Boys, we are in the Country Music Hall of Fame with Elvis, with Johnny Cash, you know, with George right. Jones, with, you know, <laughs> with Dolly Parton. You know, the list goes on and on. And for the Oak Ridge Boys to be a part of that family is so special. It's almost beyond words. It really is. Oh, I can imagine. Mm-hmm. You guys are true legends. There's no doubt yeah. about that. <laughs> but uh, growing up in... And uh, I can remember the most infamous song, of course, is Elvira. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, you know, that that is, that is our signature song. And that, uh, that song was actually written by a good friend of ours, uh, uh-huh. who's really our neighbor, a, a gentleman named Dallas Frazier. He wrote that song many years ago. And, you know, it's it's kind of interesting. You know, uh, <laughs> most people, you know, when, when you listen to that song, you think that song is about a, a, a woman, but but uh, when, when when you when you talk to Dallas Frazier, the guy that wrote the song, he actually received the inspiration to write that song by a street sign in Nashville. Oh, wow. <laughs> there is a there is a street in Nashville called Elvira Street, and he was driving one day and uh, he saw that street sign, and immediately right there on the spot, he wrote that chorus, Elvira. My heart's on fire for Elvira, you know. Uh, but then when, but he just had the chorus. Once he got back home, he, and he, he had to try to finish the song and he realized he had to have more than just a chorus. And for the song to make any sense, he had to write a verses about a woman. So the song, you know, does sound like it's about a woman, but he got the original inspiration from a street sign. You know, he, you know, here in Nashville. And, you know, we recorded that song back in 1981, you know, and it, it really has, it, it's our signature song. You know, right. I think we, re, I think we realized, you know, the day we recorded the song that we had something special on our hands. You know, I'll never forget that. All the musicians, the studio musicians, everybody was smiling, having a lot of fun. And we recorded it in just a couple of takes. We got it right away. It went down pretty easily. And, and we thought it we thought it was really something special, but I wow. don't think we realized how special that song was going to be until the very first time we uh, we performed that song in person. And of all places, we were in Spokane, Washington, uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, and and uh, at the Opry House there. And we decided, we did the song right in the middle of the show. And when we performed that song. The place just went crazy. We had we had to encore that song several times. I've had that <laughs> wow. one, you know? and and then we we put it at the end of the show again. I had to encore it there again, and then wow. the rest of that West Coast trip, 
we we started having the you know the, the same kind of a reaction when we performed that song. So we called our record label and said, "We've got to get this thing out. You know, we got something special in our hands." And sure enough, we put that song out, and to this very day, it's still one of the largest selling single records you know to ever be recorded. You know, we're here course. in Nashville. Yeah. And your part, of course, is the most classic one of all in that. Song. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess if I had such a thing as a claim to fame, he would he would be singing "Giddy Up, a Oom Papa, Oom Papa, Mau Mau." Yes, that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. It's exactly it because yeah. everybody can sing to that, and because your voice is so classic in it, it just brings it out even more. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, you know that you know that song was a hit in 1981, and and we still do that song every night on stage. We, you know, and and when we and we close our show with it, obviously, and and when we uh, when we when we hit the introduction, even all these years later, when we hit, people get up on their feet, people start dancing, people start singing along. It's it's a very contagious kind of thing, you know. And, it is. And mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a song that just makes people happy. It really does. <laughs> and and as I said, it's our signature song, you know. And regardless, wherever we go, we've got to include Elvira. Of course. Mm-hmm. Now, have you guys actually met Elvira? Well, you know, I don't know that there's actually, that, you know, the lady that you're probably referring to, uh, I, I don't think we've ever actually met her. You know, occasionally we will uh, do a show where some, we'll get a note that someone will be in the audience that says their name is Elvira. You know, oh, wow. <laughs> but but I don't know that we've actually met the lady, Elvira, who's the lady of the night, so to speak. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. right. Now, for yeah. me, growing up, uh, my favorite song from the Oak Ridge Boys is Bobby Sue. Okay. Uh, that one had a little bit of a different uh, tone to it. So what came about on how that came to be? Well, you know, after we had Elvira, with the success of Elvira, we wanted to try to find something that we thought could follow Elvira. Right. And... and uh, you know, we we live in Nashville here, where the, the best songwriters in the world live right here in Nashville. And we a couple of the Nashville songwriters wrote Bobby Sue, especially for the Oak Ridge Boys. One of the writers actually got inspired to write the song by his little kid. He had a little bit little boy, and he kept uh-huh. going ba 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 when it was you know on, uh, when he was playing on the floor. And he and the, the, this guy, his guy name is Wood Newton. He's a songwriter. He Heard his son do that and inspired him to write Baba Bobby Sue. <laughs> and oh, so wow. he, he wrote that song, especially for the Oakridge Boys. And when Ron Shancy, our producer, played that for us, we figured, you know, this, this could be a song that could be a follow up to Elvira. And sure enough, we recorded it and it, it, it became a big pop record as well. Wow. Very nice. Well, one last question before we go into the uh, amazing Christmas tour that you guys are about to do. Um, you guys recently sang at former President George Bush's funeral and the amazing version of Amazing Grace. Tell me about that. Well, you know, it, it, it's a great story. You know, we, we've had a lot of honors, you know, come our way, you know, during the course of our career. I mentioned probably the greatest honor just a few minutes ago. When, you know, when we were inducted, you know, four years ago into the country right. music couple of things. But this past December, we had the honor of singing Amazing Grace at the funeral of President George Bush. And, it, you know, it's a great story. We have a long history with President Bush. We first met him 
back in 1983 when he was the vice president of the United States. Uh-huh. President Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan was the president back then. Right. He invited President Reagan invited the Oak Ridge Boys to sing at the congressional barbecue on the lawn of the White House. Both houses of Congress, all the congressmen, they put their differences aside and they came and had barbecue on the lawn of the White House. Wow. And, and I, I remember that day we were doing a sound check on the lawn of the White House. While we were doing the sound check, and first of all, that was a, that was an experience in itself. When you're standing on doing the sound check and you're on the lawn of the White House and you start looking around, you realize, you know, this is not going to be a normal day. Of course. <laughs> and, yeah, and, just... and it was it was not. But anyway, while we were doing the sound check, this tall gentleman came walking across the lawn. He came up on the stage. He introduced himself as Vice President George Bush. He did not have to do that. We recognized him immediately, of course. But he told us that he was a big fan, and he asked us if we would sing a couple of songs. He said, I cannot be at the concert tonight, fellas. He said, would you guys be willing to sing me a couple of songs right here, right now? We said, sure, Mr. Vice President. What would you like to hear? And then he started naming album cuts, what what kids today would call deep cuts, songs uh-huh. that were not singles, you know. So, yeah. so we realized, we realized, you know, he is telling us the truth. You know, he's familiar with our music. And so we proceeded to give him a, a mini concert right there that afternoon back in 1983. That day, we established a friendship with him that lasted until he passed away. President Bush and his wonderful wife, Barbara, they became very good friends with the Oak Ridge mm-hmm. Boys. And, you know, it, 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 it has nothing really to do with politics. They were just good people, yeah. wonderful people, and they became good friends of ours. And yeah. uh, at, while, while, he was, while President Bush was in the White House, we performed for him many times. After he left the White House, we would perform for him. Uh, we would go to Kennebunkport, Maine, the four of us and our four wives, and hang out with George and Barbara, you know, and, and uh, we'd always give him, you know, personal concerts right there in his living room. And of course, he always inv- he always invited the neighbors, you know. It, it was it was a very <laughs> special time. But one thing that was always common about every performance we ever get with President Bush, he always wanted to hear his favorite song, and that was Amazing Grace. Wow. And we always we always performed it for him, and. Uh, not too long before he died, he asked us if we would sing Amazing Grace at his funeral. And uh, we said, Mr. President, you can count on us. Regardless of wherever we are, we will be there. And, you know, it just so happens, you know, we were, and, we're, and I know we're, gonna, we're about to talk about our Christmas tour. We, last December, we were doing our Christmas tour. We were right in the middle of our Christmas tour, once again in Spokane, Washington, of all places. <laughs> the first place, the first place that we ever performed Elvira. But yeah. we, were, we, we did our Christmas show on, it was about a two and a half hour show. After the show, we went to the airport, got on a private jet that was donated to us by a very dear friend who we will forever be, in, you know, indebted to. We flew all night. We got to Houston, just enough time to go to the hotel, freshen up. We went to the church. 
When we got to the church, we met George W. Bush and Jeb Bush, you know, the president's sons, and several other members of the, of the Bush family. They all thanked us for doing this for their father, and uh, we sang Amazing Race at the funeral. We went back to the airport, flew back on the private jet again to a place called Kennewick, Washington, did another Christmas show that night. You know, we did we did all of that without any sleep. And as you know, we're not kids anymore. (laughs) But but I think the good Lord above gave us strength to get through that, you know, and we did not miss a date in the process. But more importantly, we kept our promise to President Bush. We sang Amazing Race at his funeral. You know, what a what a tremendous honor and what an emotional experience. It's something that I don't think any of us will ever forget. Oh, it was great. It was mm-hmm. definitely an uh, experience. And uh, I met, actually, Barbara a long time ago, and she was a sweetheart. Now, I actually never met the president, but I did meet uh, Barbara, and she was just, I felt at the first introduction, it's like, I feel like I've known you forever. That's how warm she was. She was so amazing. She, she, she was a lady that everyone would like to have as, as their grandmother. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit more about this great Christmas album. We did listen to the song. Yes. Uh, love them, of course. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you guys are about to go on this really big tour. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, you know, I, I think over the course of the years, we've kind of become known for our Christmas music. And uh-huh. up, 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 up to this, we have seven Christmas albums out now, seven Christmas CDs. This one will be our eighth, the Oak Ridge Boys Down Home Christmas. Uh-huh. The album was produced by Dave Cobb. You know, if anyone knows anything about the music scene here in Nashville right now, you know Dave Cobb is hot. You know, he's right. very, very much in demand. You know, he does all of Chris Stapleton's stuff. You know, he's done the Zach Brown band. He's mm-hmm. he's done three projects on the Oak Ridge Boys now. This this Christmas album will be the third album that we've worked with Dave Cobb on. And Dave, as he usually does, he took us down some roads musically that we have not ever traveled before. You uh-huh. know, that, uh Dave is, is uh, you know, he, since he's so hot here right now, he has access to some of the uh, great young songwriters here in Nashville. And some of these new young songwriters that are writing his songs for all the, 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 the new kids out there right now, they wrote some brand new Christmas songs, especially for the Oak Ridge Boys, for this Christmas album. And we recorded them, you know. In fact, a couple of them were written, you know, the, the day before we recorded them. You know, they were oh, so wow. new. Wow. You know, and, but, but, it, but, you know, Dave Cobb gave these songs his usual treatment, you know, and, and uh, they, it turned out very well. You know, there's a few traditional things on there, but there's also some very new, exciting Christmas songs as well. We're excited about it. It's called Down Home Christmas. It will be released October the 25th, and and we're excited about it. And, you know, it's going to give us a lot of new material to add to our Christmas tour that we're going to be doing this year. You know, uh, this will be our 30th, believe it or not, our 30th annual Christmas tour. You know, uh, we do it every year, uh, and it's it's really the biggest part of our year, and this year will be no exception. You know, from about the middle of November up until, like, two days before Christmas, we will be on the road all over the country, you know, just about every night, you know, singing Christmas songs and, and, you know, helping people celebrate the Christmas season. Wow. Of course. Every contribution to that happiness and joy it definitely makes a difference. 
Yeah. You know, and one thing, one thing about this Christmas show that we're doing is that it's very special. It, it's really almost two shows for the price of one, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah. Quite often, quite often people ask, you know, even though it's a Christmas show, will we still hear Elvira? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so the answer to that question is yes, you will. You, even though it's a Christmas show, you will still hear me do giddy up a um papa um papa. <laughs> we we come out in the beginning, in the very beginning of the show, and for about forty or forty five minutes, we do our regular music, which includes Elvira and a lot of the Oak Ridge Boys hits, uh, and also we'll include some music from our latest album, Seventeenth Avenue Revival also produced by Dave Cobb. Some wow. of that music will be on the, on the first part of the show. It's, it's, it's kind of a mini version of, of our regular concerts that we do, you know, most of the year. After about 45 minutes of our regular music, which includes Elvira, we take an intermission, and then we come back and we do a complete Christmas show. And we cover just about every aspect of Christmas, the fun side of Christmas, the romantic side of Christmas, you know, yeah. uh, we, we, we have a great Santa Claus that comes out. Uh, we, oh, we have nice. a lot of fun with Santa. He actually goes out into the audience. He interacts with the kids in, in the audience, and, and, and we have a lot of fun with him. When Santa leaves the stage, we then have a segment of the show that has become very, very popular in recent years. We call it our rocking chair segment. The hmm. four Oak Ridge boys sit in rocking chairs, by the way, provided to us by Cracker Barrel restaurants, <laughs> but, but we sit in rocking chairs, and each man takes turns talking about whatever he feels like talking about. A lot of it is about childhood Christmas memories, what Christmas means to us individually, and we, we intersperse it with some of the traditional Christmas carols, you know, right. and, and it, it's, it's a chance for the audience to get to know all four Oak Ridge boys just a little bit better, and uh, wow. It's become it, a very popular part of the show. You it know, adds and, that and, personable and, touch to it. Yeah. And, and, then, and then after the rocking chair segment, we, we then end the, the, the concert, the whole show, with the most important part as far as we're concerned. We do a series of songs that talk about the real true meaning of Christmas. And, of course, we know what that is. That is the birth of Jesus. And right. what that means, you know, that what that means in this day and age in which we live. So so it's, it, the whole show is a total package. You know, our hits, our regular music in the beginning, after intermission, just about every aspect of Christmas, you know. And uh, uh, we ended on a very, you know, sacred note at the end. But it's just a great family show. It's a great way for for families to come and spend some time together, you know, around the holiday season and around Christmas time. Wow. It sounds good. Actually, I I have to look at your tour schedule again to see where we are going to yes. be at a certain time, see if we're going to actually match with some of those city dates, because we're all over the, the country, especially during November and December. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I would look, I would love to go see it. It sounds like so much fun. So one last thing before we get going. Um, what do you still hope to accomplish in your future? Well, you know, I, I think we want to continue to do, you know, uh, what, we, what we've been doing. You know, uh, I, I, I don't think any of the – in fact, I know none of the Oak Ridge Boys right now have any plans to retire anytime soon. You know, uh, we, we still love doing what we do. 
you know, we're still having fun doing this, you know. <laughs> and so we plan to continue doing it as long as we possibly can, you know, as long as, the good Lord above, yeah. as long as the good Lord above will allow the four Oakridge boys to continue to experience good health. We're going to continue doing this. And, you know, I, I think I think we want to continue recording music like we've recorded in our latest album, 17th Avenue Revival. Meaningful music, music that touches people, music that helps people through difficult times in their lives. And, and that's what we've been able to do, especially working with Dave Cobb here in the last couple of years. And we want to continue to do that, to, to affect people in, in a good way and help people through difficult times in their lives. Wow, that's amazing. That is, yes. That's very amazing. Well, Richard, thank you so much for coming on the show and allowing us to have this wonderful interview with you. It, you know, I, for myself, have grown up with uh, the Oak Ridge Boys for, for many years, and, of course, even with Elvis, Johnny Cash, and the rest of them. So this, is, this has been uh, inspiring in multiple ways and uh, very historic and very honorable. So thank you so much yes, for giving and, us this time. And I enjoyed well, listening to you. Well, I, I've enjoyed it as well. Now I know I kind of ramble on and on. I hope you, hope you're all able to follow me. <laughs> oh no, definitely yes. I mean, it's, it, your stories are engaging. They are, and I love that. Yeah. Oh and, well, thank you. Thank yes, you. and our audiences they love the stories. Uh, one of the quotes that our fans will always always send us is they feel like that we're in their living room talking to them and having a normal conversation. So mm-hmm. this is this conversation with you is exactly that. Uh well, with thank every, you. Thank all you. the stories. Right. Yeah. So no worries on that. Well, Richard again, thank you so much. Oakridgeboys.com is where you can find the upcoming tour dates and the new album and so much more and we definitely look forward to seeing you guys perform and if uh, we do manage to get to a concert for the Christmas stuff, I'll text you, and hopefully we'll be able to meet you backstage sometime. And, well, sounds uh, good. Lo- love to talk to both of you, certainly. Yes. Well, yeah. Richard, again, thank you so much. Good luck with everything. You guys have a amazing tour, and uh, thank, thank you. you for everything that you've done. So we appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much. Right. Oh, my goodness, that voice. Mm-hmm. It's so good. That's very good. Yes, it's such a, it, it's such, it's so interesting. <laughs> but it makes you want to go to the show. And, you you know, if you haven't gone to an Oak Ridge Boys show, you should go. I think we should go. Yeah. I think we should go. If we're in a city near it, of we, will, course. we will go. But you can always check that out at oakridgeboys.com. You can also check out Richard's book that we mentioned in the interview on that website as well. So we want to thank Richard for coming by. And that was very exciting. We're very honored to have that experience with him and all that history. It was amazing. And we, of course, want to thank you for coming by again. We are so honored to have you guys come in and be sure to tell everybody about us. We want to entertain them as well. I mean, here we are. We are 16 episodes for season one. It's amazing. Yes, it is. And you guys can follow us on Instagram if you haven't already. At Chris.Ann.Will. Of course. And next week we have an all new episode with another guest, another great topic. So you'll have to come back another week to see who we've got coming up. But anyway, well, thank you guys so much. We hope your holiday season is off really great. Remember, we love you guys and be sure to love yourself. The world will love you in return. Thank you for joining us for another great episode. We thank Richard for coming on. But for now, we've got to go. Bye. Bye.